We are on Ksubis Memzayin Amad Aleph, the top of 47a in Mesechus Ksubis, and we are continuing on with the discussion of different um, uh, different things that the father has jurisdiction over his uh, daughter who is a minor, who is a girl under the ages of 12, uh, potentially 12 and a half, referring to a Nara who is between the age of 12 and 12 and a half, essentially under the age of 12 and a half. And the Mishnah had a whole list of different things. We've discussed until now the fact that the father has uh, the right to marry her off, and we mentioned how uh, it was that the reason for this was because uh, they lived in certain societies where they got married at a very young age, um, and so therefore we wanted to give the father the right uh, to marry her off to make sure that she's married to the right person, uh, to ma- marry to somebody who's going to take care of her, who will support her, um, and we pointed out how today this wouldn't uh, this wouldn't apply, uh, since it's uh, definitely uh, not uh, normal to to marry. For a girl to get married at that age, and it would be cruel, and so therefore we would never do that. Uh, we never allow that today. The next on the list is Zakab Mtsiasa. The father has rights to whatever she finds. If she finds something, so then the father uh, has the monetary rights towards that object. Uh, so why is that? Why is it that the father has the rights towards those, those objects? So the Gemara just has two words, but there's a, there's a lot to discuss within those two words. In fact, uh, there's a lot of discussion. On this entire uh, first half of this uh, of this amid, of this page, uh, but the Gemara says Mishum Eva, just two words. Uh, one one reason that the Gemara gives, which is one of the reasons that's mentioned uh, in the Gemara elsewhere in a different Masech, in a different tractate, is because, uh, as Rashi explains, uh, the father is obligated to support his daughter. Uh, there's a higher level obligation of support for his daughter. Until the age of six, until the age of six, the father has a, has a real obligation to support his daughter. Above the age of six, we say that there's it's not as high of an obligation, but there's certainly we 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 require his father to continue to support his daughter uh, beyond the age of six. But because of that, we want to make sure that the that there's a certain type of relationship here between the father and his daughter, uh, where uh, the father is supporting her uh, and put and and providing for her. And so, therefore, to make sure that uh, there's not, <coughs> excuse me, the sort of like this uh, imbalance, we uh, Rashi explains that anything that she finds goes to her father. It's uh, it's given to her father. Any anything that she makes uh, is given to her father. Now, we did point out, if you recall, in the in last week's uh, class, uh, that if let's say somebody gives her a present, let's say somebody were to give her a present that says, "This is for you. I'm giving you a, a present." Uh, a gift for her. So there's a big discussion. Well, does that go to the father or not? Some opinions say it does on a biblical level. Some opinions say it does on a rabbinic level. Some opinions say that no, she gets to keep it since it was given, it was designated for her, so therefore she's able to keep it. It doesn't go to her father. Something that she finds uh, in the street, okay, that's given to the father. But any, any something which was designated as a gift to her, so then that she's able to keep according to uh, some opinions. Uh, but if she finds something, Rashi explains the reason for that is because the father is obligated to uh, we require the obligation, uh, it's, it's a lower level obligation, but the father should support her, and so therefore uh, we want to make sure that he will support her, and so therefore we want to make sure that there's this sort of type of relationship where anything she finds will be given to uh, her father. Uh, now, it's important to point out, nowadays, um, when, uh, until when did this, does this apply? Uh, Sir Moshe Feinstein, one of the, cla- one of the great... Uh, Rabbinic uh, poskim, the halachic deciders of the last generation, he discusses this and he says back then, uh, so 
girls would actually go to work at a very young age. And so therefore they'll be able to support themselves, uh, potentially, or people uh, would be able to support themselves, boys or girls, at a very young age. Nowadays, so it's uh, much older, in their 20s potentially, whatever the norm is for when they're able to, to, to live on their own. Um, and when until that norm, so then there's an obligation for the parents uh, to support their children, that the parents would have to support their children until they reach the age of what's normal, hard to define exactly what normal would be, when exactly is that age? Perhaps it's different depending on the profession and how many years a person would have to go to school, perhaps. Uh, but a, a parents have to support their children until they reach that age where it's normal for them to be so, to, to live on their own. Um, that's one point by Rav Moshe Feinstein. Additionally, the Gemara elsewhere in Baba Metziah uh, says, if you say that it's because of uh, we want to have this type of relationship when the father is supporting their child, so then this really is not about the child being a minor under the age of 12 uh, or 12 and a half. It's really any time that the child is being supported by their parents, uh, even if they're older, they could be in their 20s and their 30s if they're being supported by their parents. So then uh, anything that they find uh, should be given to the parents. Um, and the same thing is true in the opposite direction. If you have somebody who is very young, a girl who's very young who is... And even not a girl, this would apply to a boy equally. This would apply both to boys and to girls, um, uh, who's very young and, and is able to to live on their own, that they make their own living. So then whatever they find should go to themselves. And according to this opinion, that would be true. Number one is that this would apply to boys and girls equally. And number two is that it shouldn't depend on their age, but it really depends on whether or not they're being supported by their parents or not. Um, and that is according to one opinion. There is another opinion, however, who argues and seems to be against, at least according to Rashi, against our Gemara here. And that opinion says that, no, the reason why uh, it's given to the parents, this would apply also to boys and girls, but it's specifically with regards to a minor, uh, somebody who is still a, a minor under the age of 12 uh, for a girl and under the age of 13 for a boy, is because uh, psychologically, they anything that they find intuitively, they just they run and they give it to their to their father. That's what's that's what's normally done. They cannot acquire things on their own, and so therefore anything they find intuitively, they'll say, "Oh, let me let me run and give this to uh, uh, to my to my father." And so that's why it's given to the father. It's not because of this. Uh, we want to have this type of relationship so that the father is supporting their children, and therefore anything uh, they they find is given to the parents. No, that's not the reason. The reason is because. Intuitively, a child, a minor, would naturally uh, go to the father and say, oh, I found this, uh, um, let's make use of this. Um, and so then, according to that opinion, it would really be limited to a minor. As opposed to the first opinion where it's not really about the age, it's about whether or not they're being supported by their father. According to this opinion, it would really be about the age, and specifically referring to a minor. Okay, that is all with regards to uh, anything that they find. So, just a quick review for what we've discussed until now, the father has rights to marry her off. That is on a biblical level. The father also has uh, has jurisdiction over anything that she finds. Now that's prob- most probably on a rabbinic level. That's on a rabbinic level that the rabbis instituted that whatever she finds goes to the father. Um, now the next case is Maisa Deha. Anything that she makes, if she's working, if she's working, anything that she makes, also, again we're talking about a minor here, a girl who's a minor, also is given to the father. We will see that this is on a biblical level. This is really on a biblical level uh, that it's given to the father uh, for anything anything that she makes. 
Now, it's important to point out that uh, there could be differences depending on the situation. What happens if the father is not able to support his daughter as a minor? Then she could keep whatever she makes for herself. This could be how she supports herself. Or what happens if it's uh, extra, above and beyond what's necessary uh, for, for what she needs? Is, that, does she get, is she able to keep that? Does that go, maybe that goes back to her father after she receives what she needs for herself. Uh, so there's different uh, situations that we have dealt with in the past and that we will continue to deal with. But this is just a regular case where the father is supporting his daughter. Uh, so then uh, anything that she makes in terms of a living, what she makes as a living, and again, they did work at, a, at in certain, certain uh, eras and in certain societies, they did work at a younger age. Um, and so therefore, uh, the Torah says that if she does work, so then uh, what she makes is given to her father. We pointed out also in last week's class that um, uh, is the father allowed to direct her? Okay, fine. The father is able to receive the payment, the compensation. But is the father also allowed to decide what she could, what she's, uh, what she should do? That is a discussion. That's not so simple. Whether the father is allowed to say, okay, go do uh, such and such a profession uh, as a minor? That is that is not uh, that is a dispute. That is a matter of a dispute. Okay, but the more I want to know, me Nolan, how do I know that this is a biblical uh, law that? Uh, anything that she makes as a minor is given to her father. Rav says, and we, we saw this last week, How do we know that whatever the daughter makes, it's given to the father? That there's a comparison between a girl who is a minor, who is uh, a maidservant, who is working as a servant for somebody else. So there is such a concept. And so therefore, anything that uh, she does is given to her master, the work that she does is for her master. So then so too, uh, there's a connection to her father, that as a minor, uh, she's able, whatever she makes is given to her father. Okay, there's a, there's a certain ju- juxtaposition in the in the verse, in the psukim, that connect the two, the two words are connected one to the other, and so therefore, uh, the Torah Shavah Peh, the oral Torah makes that connection uh, to learn out one law from the other. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, what's the context there? Wait a minute. When is she allowed to be made servant? That's up to the age of 12. That's as a minor up to the age of 12. Well, what about that time period between 12 and 12 and a half? What we refer to as a na'ara. She's a na'ara between the age of 12 and 12 and a half. So I understand to make that connection, to say whatever she makes until the age of 12, that should go to the father. But we know that it's more than that. It's until the age of 12 and a half. Between the age of 12 and 12 and a half, she's not allowed to be a maidservant. She's not allowed to, to be a servant for somebody else between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. But yet we know that anything that she makes until the age of 12 and a half, uh, the, the payment goes to the father. Why should that be? Uh, maybe the Pasuk, the verse is only referring to a kitana, to a minor under the age of 12. So to this, the, the, the Gemara responds as follows. Mistavra daviahava. It's, it, it would seem that it should go to the father. Why? If it's true, this is the argument that the Gemara says, if it's true that whatever she makes, she's allowed to keep for herself between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. Again, that's what we're focusing on. Between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, she's allowed to keep for herself. So then we also know, this is what we discussed last week, that the father has the right to marry her off. Well, how could he marry her off? The chuppah itself, uh, on the day of the chuppah, of the day of her marriage, of the completion of her marriage, we're talking about the second stage of the marriage, when we discuss the first and second stage, we're discussing here the second stage of the marriage, where she's now living with him, 
fully married, uh, she's not allowed to work. There's a there's a halacha, but there's an iser malacha. There's a law that uh, she's not allowed to work on the day of her wedding. How could the father make that call? Tell her go ahead and get married, uh, and you're not allowed to work. But if she receives the payment, the father doesn't have the right to say, oh, you're not going to get paid today because I'm telling you to go ahead and get married or I'm even overseeing this marriage uh, to make sure that that that, uh, that you get married and, and it's under my jurisdiction, but it goes against her right to work if if really she receives the payment. If the father receives the payment, so then it makes sense. The father will forego the payment, will for, forego her work for that day so that she gets married. But if she's really obligated to... Uh, but if she receives the payment, then the father has no right to, to marry her off. But we know that the father could marry her off. So it must be that if the father has the right to marry her off, again, a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, so then uh, the only way he could do that is if he also receives the payment for her work because she'll be taking off from work that day. She's not allowed to work on the day that she gets married. Um, and so therefore it must be, suggests the Gemara, that the father must receive the payment. Otherwise, how could he marry her off? How, how, otherwise, how is he able to marry her off? Uh, he's preventing her from working that day. So if we were to just stop here for one second, there's just one interesting point, a lot of interesting points in this Gemara. We know that there's a concept of kibbut there's a concept of uh, an obligation to honor one's parents. So why couldn't uh, the Gemara respond back and just say, you know what, the reason why she, she shouldn't work that day because the father wants her to get married. She has an obligation to honor her parents, and so therefore she has to take off from work. She would have to take off from work. Her parents are telling her to take off from work. So the ant- the probable answer to that is that not every command that a, a parent tells a child is necessarily falls under the obligation of honoring one's parents. Uh, the general rule, this is a discussion, but the general rule is that to honor one's parents is for their benefit, something which is to their benefit, for themselves. If they ask for uh, for food, so then you have to give them food. If they ask for clothing, you have to give them clothing. Um, it could be that it's from the money that belongs to the parents, but they have to go out of their way to provide that those uh, those uh, those services to their parents. But if it's something where the parents are saying it's not for themselves, but it's really for their children, for the for their own children, so then maybe that wouldn't fall under kibbutzim. That wouldn't fall under honoring one's parents. That's really for themselves, for the children. The only obligation to honor one's parents potentially is when it's for the parent's benefit, direct benefit, but not if it's the parents are saying, oh, we want you to get married, take off from work today, so perhaps it wouldn't fall under the obligation of honoring one's parents because that's not for the parents. You're not helping out the parents in any way. Uh, the parents want you to get married. They want the child to get married, so that might not fall under honoring one's parents. So that's uh, another important point uh, that comes out of this Gemara. Uh, but in the end of the day, the Gemara wants to suggest now, how do we know that the father receives the payment for when she works? Because the fact that the father has the right to marry her off and she has to take off from work on the day that she gets married, that can only happen if the father receives the payment. The father didn't receive the payment. He can't marry her off. He can't tell her to stop working. So Gemara rejects this. The Gemara rejects this uh, uh, suggestion and they give three answers. Three answers. The Gemara says, uh, Answer number one, Parach of Achai, Pekasa. No, not answer number one is, uh, no, maybe really the payment goes to the daughter. She receives the payment for her work. Uh, but uh, how could the father marry her off? Because the father will pay for that day's work. It's true. She won't get paid by her boss, but her father will compensate for, for that day's loss and will pay the daughter. Easy way out. Answer number two, Answer number two is that, let's say he married her off at night. They got married 
they got married at night when she's not working. Find the time when she's not working. Answer number three. Inami demasala bishabasas v'yam tovim. Answer number three is not necessarily at night, but let's say they get married on Shabbos or during the holidays, on Yantav, on Pesach, Shavuah, Sukkot. That's when she's not working either. They're not allowed to work on Shabbos. They're not allowed to work on, on, on Sukkot, Shavuah, and Pesach. Uh, so, so that's when they got married. They got married on a day where you're not allowed to work. Uh, that's suggestion number three. So we have three, three answers to this question of, well, how could the father marry her off? He's preventing her from working. Must be that he really receives the payment. No, she receives the payment. Answer number one is that the father will compensate and pay her for that day's work. Answer number two is that they got married at night. And answer number three is that, um, is that they got married on a day where you're not allowed to work, such as Shabbos or uh, one of the holidays, or Yantiv. Now, the Gemara is asking this as, as a rejection of, of an answer. The Gemara wanted to answer, how do we know that the father receives the payment because he's able to marry her off? And we said, no, uh, it's not a proof uh, because of one of these three reasons. So the Gemara is really left with a question of, in the end of the day, what is the source uh, that he's allowed to, uh, he receives the payment for her work? So we're still left with a question. That, that, that still is a question because we rejected the, the suggestion. The suggestion was, must be that he receives the payment because he is able to marry her off and she has to take off from work that day. The, the only way that that could happen is if he receives the payment. The Gemara rejected and said, no, we could come up with different uh, scenarios where she's not take, she doesn't lose money by taking off from work. Uh, so before we get to the final answer, just a few comments on this last suggestion that he can marry her, she could get married on Shabbos or on uh, Yantav or on during, during one of the holidays. Is that really true? Could could she get married on Shabbos? So the truth is, on a biblical level, the answer is yes. On a rabbinic level, the rabbi said, Midra uh, Banan, that they're not allowed to get married on Yantiv. Um, but on a biblical level, the answer is yes. That's with regards to Shabbos. What about on the holidays? The, the answer for the holidays is no. You're not allowed to get married on the holidays. Uh, there's a difference between holidays and Shabbos. Holidays, there's an obligation to be besimcha, to rejoice, to be happy, is an obligation during the holidays. On Shabbos, there's a mitzvah of oneg, to, be, to have delight, menucha Shabbos, to rest on Shabbos, but not necessarily, there's no obligation of simcha syantav, of, of simcha Shabbos, of rejoicing on Shabbos. So therefore, a person could get married on Shabbos. On the holidays, there's a mitzvah to rejoice, to be happy on the holiday for the holiday. And as such, the Gemara says elsewhere that that one has to focus purely on that simcha, on that rejoicing for the holiday of the Yantiv, and therefore you're not allowed to get married. You cannot sort of focus on a different simcha, on a different rejoicing, uh, uh, on a different reason to be happy. The happiness has to be purely for the holiday itself. It cannot be for a wedding. So how could they get married? How could the Gemara suggest that they get married on a holiday, on a Yantiv? Uh, so that question is asked by Tosos, one of the classic commentators on the page of the Gemara. Uh, and Tosos uh, gives, a, he gives a few suggestions. We don't have time to get into the answers right now, but he gives a few suggestions. Potentially it was right before the holiday, uh, during the time called, referred to as Tosefus Yamtev, where we add on a little bit to the holiday. He gives a few other suggestions as well. Okay, back into the Gemara. Last line of the Gemara. In the end of the day, what is the answer? What's the source? Elekatana Lotrichaka. The Gemara in the end of the answer is, you know, it goes back to the verse that we had earlier. The, earlier we had a verse, it, true, it was in the context of a minor, that a minor, a girl, is able to be sold as a, as a slave. Uh, but the, the Gemara points out that obviously if the father could sell her 
essentially as a maidservant under the age of 12, so then he certainly can receive payment for any work that she makes. So that can't be what the, what the, what the verse is referring to with regards to the rights of the father. It must be it's referring to a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. Essentially, it's not needed for under the age of 12 because we know that he could, he could uh, make her, he, he could get, make her into a maidservant anyways. So it must be that it's, uh, it's referring to between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. That's what the verse is telling us that he receives payment for any, any work, uh, that she does. Um, and that's the conclusion. All right. That's the, that's the final source for, um, how we know that the father receives payments for any work that she does under the age of 12 and a half.